Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. Good morning. Um, while you're sitting around your tables chatting, would you just uh, just change the topic for a second? What I want you to discuss, I'm just going to give you two or three minutes. I want you to give your best answer, your best opinion on why bad things happen to good people. We want to resolve this once and for all and, and just clear this up for forever and ever, Okay. So around your table, just discuss with one another. Why do bad things happen to good people? Don't resolve it. Just say, why do they happen? This morning, we're going to explore this a little bit. Um, this week, in, in, the, in, the news, in, in the news, you know that you get, does anyone else get like 15 newspapers? Every Thursday night, um, because of where we live, we get the Grimsby News and World Report, the Beamsville News and World Report, we get the Lincoln newspaper, we get the, and so they drop all this stuff, but my wife and I, we just like going through the colored flyer because we like pretty pictures. So this week, Ridgeview Garden Center uh, sent us something. By the way, if any of you work at Ridgeview, let them know that I have no clue where they are. There's no address, nothing on here, no information. Whoever did this, very lame, but that's very bad, very bad. It's huge. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is really cool. They have flowers. This is, they have a rose lily romance. I'm going to get me some of those. Sweet violets, campfire dance. Now, my wife, she has a garden. Wendy planted a garden last year because we're going all, like, self-sufficient, you know? Like, we're going to grow our own vegetables. And so last year, we planted a garden. We had three tomato plants. And uh, we had carrots, but we, what I did was I kind of cheated when I made the garden. I just, right over top of our, la- our lawn, I just put newspaper down, and then I dumped about four inches of topsoil on that, and we just planted there. So the, cr- the carrots grew down four inches till they, hit the, till they hit the newspaper and the grass, and they just stopped. And so we had carrots like this big around <laughs> and about that long. It was really... It was really kind of weird. But they've got strawberries, blueberries. Does anyone know what a honeyberry is? I didn't think so. I looked at the picture. I have no clue. So we're coming into that season that it's going to be vegetable and fruit season. You're going to start planting your garden. Gardens will begin to bloom. Trees will begin to yield fruit. And the season will be rich with color and beauty and food. So let me ask you, how many are gardeners? How many do some kind of gardening? You plant a garden, flowers, whatever. And, and, and what, are, what are some of the things you're growing? Just yell it out. What are you, th- what are you growing? Cucumbers. Squash. Cantaloupe. Muskmelon. Sure. Okay. All of, all of these things. Uh, peppers, tomatoes. Some of, you, some of you grow roses and some are growing trees. We used to have a neighbor and he had a fig tree. And every winter he would bury his fig tree. It was fascinating to watch him grow. He was Portuguese. It was amazing to watch him grow this. 
But, but none of you said that you were going to grow weeds and thorns. And the truth is, experience will teach you that a love of flowers or a love of gardening is not enough to make you a good gardener. You have to love the garden, but you also have to live with the weeds and the thorns. You may have noticed that we live in a fallen world. Nothing's perfect. But the funny part is, is we demand perfection. Have you ever noticed where the thorns grow? Not just in the fields. Not just in your garden. Not just in your lawn. They grow in your driveway. I have a cement driveway. And, and, and thorns and weeds grow. The thorns and weeds, their, their seeds are scattered. The Bible says that the wheat and the thorns will actually grow together. You can't get rid of them. God's caused them both to grow simply because you live in a fallen world. Now, the last few weeks, this is what we've been talking about. We started out admitting that sometimes when we don't know what to do, we just have to admit we don't know what to do. And in the midst of not knowing what to do, we be still and know that he is God. And then last week we talked about embracing God's word and his presence. And this week I want to talk a little bit about how to deal with the thorns in your life. You remember, well you don't remember, you've read, you're, you're familiar with the story in the Bible. It's the very, very first story after creation. Adam and Eve are in the garden. They're told you can eat whatever you want Enjoy everything, but that tree right there, don't touch it. And what did they do? They not only touched it, they ate from it. And God said this to Adam in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife. Now we all go, see, it's Eve's fault. Uh-uh-uh, read, read on. Because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, Adam, I told you not to eat it. I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat your food from it all the days of your life. It will produce. Here's a promise from God. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You can rely on God's promises. The earth is going to produce thorns and thistles. And you will eat the plants of the fields. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. The earth will produce thorns. All of us, every one of us, youngest to the oldest, smartest to the not-so-smartestest, all of us have thorns in our life. Some are thorns from the past. Maybe they're memories. Might be a current sickness or illness that's plaguing you. Some type of failure. Maybe you've had a relationship that's gone wrong. Or it's an attitude or a habit you just can't seem to conquer. And that thorn continues to grow in your life. As followers of Christ, we love to celebrate the resurrection and the victory over death that Christ has conquered for each one of us. But we hate Good Friday because it speaks of pain and suffering and toil and agony and sacrifice. We want to get over Good Friday as quick as we can. And as we approach Easter, I want to explore some of the things that we're going to talk about as we come into Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, and then even after Easter Sunday, we're going to... Just talk about what Jesus has done for us. 
I want to make a very bold statement today as a Christ follower. It's a confession. Here's my confession. As a follower of Christ, I've got to recognize and be thankful for the thorns in my life. (laughs) I wish I didn't say that. I wish I could say, Jason, there's no thorns in my life. Everything's just rosy. No. There's thorns. Why thorns, you say? Why? But Pastor Mark, why thorns? Why me? (laughs) Why not? That's the mystery of the thorns. You see, God's primarily not concerned about your comfort. He's concerned about your character. He's trying to shape in you the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Through our discovery today, we're going to see how God accomplishes great things in your life using thorns. Ezekiel, a prophet in the Old Testament, he said these words. Ezekiel chapter 2, he said, Don't be afraid. So here's my warning to you today. Don't be afraid. You're going, oh, no, I'm going to walk out of here in thorns and thistles. No, you're just going to be more aware of them, and you're going to have a better understanding of how to navigate them. Don't be afraid. Though briars and thorns are all around you, and then Ezekiel throws in an extra little piece, and you live among scorpions. So it's not just these these, these static objects. You know, a a thorn just kind of stands there and, and you actually have to walk into it or brush aside it, but a scorpion is a moving, is moving. It, it's, it's hunting you out. You know, you may have traveled to the, to, the, to the Dominican or Costa Rica or any of those, you know, close to the equator, and make sure when you travel there, you, when you get up in the morning, before you put your shoes on, always shake your shoe because that's where the scorpions like to hide. And it can hurt your toes if you don't. The first thing you need to know about thorns is, number one, don't fear them. The reason for that is the Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So let's look at what thorns produce in your life. Okay, First thing, thorns produce humility. Have you ever noticed that as soon as you have a thorn in your life, we become more sensitive to others and in regards to ourselves. Thorns cause us to be vulnerable. Let me make a confession to you this morning. For years and years, as I was pastoring, I would, um, I would pray with people who would come to me and say, I, I would, they would come to the altar or, 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 or come somewhere and, and, and they would say, would you pray for me? And I would say, how can I pray with you? And they would say something like this, Pastor Mark, would you pray? I have a terrible migraine headache. And I'd go, not visibly, in my mind. You know, anybody else, when things are happening, you have the bubble that happens, you know, the thought that's out here. I would think to myself, that's really lame. Like, yeah, my head hurts once in a while too, but... (laughs) I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. And I would pray with people, and I really, I didn't have a lot of sensitivity to that. Until January of 1994. And I woke up one morning, and I thought during the evening, my wife had gone out to the shed, taken my vice, put it onto my head, and just cranked down on it. 
my, it was, my head was in a fire. And I, I looked at Wendy and I said, is there something wrong with me other than usual? <laughs> and, and she goes, no, honey, you, you, what's wrong with your eyes? I go, oh, Wendy, I can't. Turn the lights off. It's so bright in here. She goes, the lights aren't on. The sun's coming up. I go, shut it off. And, and I said, and quit talking so loud. She says, I'm talking quietly. The kids are sleeping. I said, well, be quiet. Close the door. It's so noisy in here. My head was just bursting. For almost a year, I had a migraine headache. I, it was so, it got to the point that in the evening, I couldn't, and those of you who have suffered with migraine headaches, you'll understand. Light, sound, touch. I couldn't lay down. As soon as I laid down, my head would just go ba-boom, ba-boom. I, it was like my heart had just jumped up in, beside my brain. So I would take a pillow at night, and I would stand in the doorway and lean the pillow up against the wall, and I would try to sleep in the doorway. That was the only way I could get sleep. I have to tell you, honestly, people would then come to the altar and say, I would say, how can I pray with you? And they would say, would you pray for my migraine headache? And I would go, oh. <laughs> you see, thorns. Thorns will produce humility in your life. Thorns will drive you to humility. They'll cause you to be humble. Notice that God says that if we would humble ourselves and pray, not just pray. Lots of us, we just go, okay, I'm just going to pray, I'm going to pray. No, 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 no. And here's what had to happen in my journey. I was praying that God would heal my brain or whatever was going on in my head. The brain part, probably not so much. There's not much there to deal with. But God said, Mark, you need to humble yourself. Humble yourself and pray. Could it be that that thorn is there to heal you? Second thing. So number one, thorns produce humility. Number two, thorns purify our motives. When thorns are in our lives, we quickly realize what things in our lives are really trivial and really, really petty. Our motives become more pure. God uses the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn away impure motives. You, you may have all of these great, great thoughts and schemes and motives and maybe hidden agendas, but suddenly a thorn comes into your life and everything gets reprioritized. Nothing else matters. Some of you have had... How many have had a child that's been really, really sick? Yeah? suddenly everything in your life gets reprioritized because that's what's really most important. Thorns purify our motives. Thirdly, thorns prompt us to belief. You suddenly realize when you're suffering with something, you will do anything. You will get up at 2 o'clock in the morning, search on your, you will Google search whatever shopper's drug mart is open if it's 70 kilometers away because you want to get there and get rid of that thorn, get rid of the pain, the suffering, whatever it is. You, you do not choose to suffer. None of us choose to suffer. Unless you cheer for the Maple Leafs and that's a whole... And you would never choose to suffer, especially for someone else. 
bad enough suffering for yourself, but just saying, oh, yeah, I'll just, yeah, give me all your burdens. I'll, I'll suffer. And suddenly you realize this is what Jesus Christ did. He chose to suffer, not for anything he had done. He did not deserve the anguish. He did it for you. He took your crown of thorns, allowed it to pierce his head. He gave himself in your place. Why are we here today? Why did we come to worship? Let me simplify it for you. It's all about a man on a cross dying for the world. He took your thorns. Why are we here? It's about Jesus dying on a cross for you. Thorns prompt us to belief. Number four, thorns prod us closer to God. Thorns help you to realize that God loves you enough to say yes and no. You know how much a parent loves a child by their strength to say yes or no, especially when you're in the grocery store and the kid is having a fit. How many have had that? You're waiting in line. No! 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 And the mother's like, just be good. Just, I'm going to count to, and I'm, I'm always go. whenever I hear I'm going to count to, I want to yell, a thousand. You know, I'm going to, one, or they don't even say that. You know, the kid's just freaking out, and you'll hear, one, and I always, I always go, two. <laughs> just, you know, you'll see the kid look, well, who was that? Was that the voice of God? No, that's the voice that would like to say no to you, but... You see, the strength of God comes in his ability to say no to us. He knows what things are going to hurt us before we even begin the route. And sometimes those thorns are given to us to prod us closer to God. In the Old Testament, you're familiar with the story. If, you were, if you've studied and looked at the Old Testament or raised in Sunday school, you'll remember the story of the, of the Israelites in captivity and three of the Israelite boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were, uh, they were kind of living in captivity. And Nebuchadnezzar the king built, an, built a statue of himself. And it was a, it was a huge uh, cast statue, a bronze statue. And, and he had huge ovens that they had to fire all the, all the metal in. And what the king said was, okay, now that the statue's done, I want the whole nation to gather in the plaza. And when you hear the trumpet sound, when the, when the harps play, when the cymbals crash... Everyone will bow down and worship my idol because I'm the king. So everybody went, yeah, okay, why not? He's the king, big deal. So everybody gathered, and they were all gathered in the plaza. And the Bible says the, the trumpets blasted, the, 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 the cymbals crashed, the harps sounded, and all there was this huge cacophony of music, and everyone bowed down except Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, and they're, they're just kind of standing there, you know. No, we're not bowing. No, that's not our God. We're not bowing to another God. So Nebuchadnezzar said some of his, his servants, and he says, and they're like, okay, guys, listen. <laughs> we're going to help you out here now. Bow down, because if you don't bow down, the king, the king's really upset. He's angry. The Bible says the king got so mad because they said, no, we won't bow. No way. So the king said to them, look, if you don't bow down, I'm going to put you into the furnace. 
And they're like, yeah. At that, the Bible says the king flew into a rage. He went absolutely crazy. Now, what's funny is they could have relented. They could have said, oh, you know what? That fire looks a little hot. I don't want to go in it. They, they could have just bowed down. They could have walked away from God. And some people walk away from God with a whole lot less struggle or pain or temptation. But these three were unfaltering in their trust in God. Listen to what they said. In the book of Daniel, these three boys said this to the king. Uh, king, uh, we're not even going to apologize, but we're not bowing down to you. And know this. Even if God doesn't rescue us, we will not bow down to you, for we will not forsake the king of Israel. Know this, king, we're not going to bow down. And he said, oh, okay. Then we're throwing you in the fire. So the king got so angry at this, he heated the, the fire ten times. They just, they got it as hot, white hot, beyond yellow hot, white, not red hot, yellow hot, white hot. In they throw them. So hot that the servants that were there were, were killed. That's how hot it was. They throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. So now the king is kind of pleased. <laughs> you know, hey, I wonder what it looks like. So he sends some guys and said, okay, look in there. Tell me, tell me what you see. What's going on in there? And the servants went and went, one, two, how many did we throw in? Three. One, two, three. One, two, three, four. No, 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 no. How many? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. One, three, one. One, two, three. Okay, you tell the king. No, I'm not telling the king. No, 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 you tell the king. The king's going, okay, guys, what's going on? Did they melt? What happened to the body? Did they just explode? And the servants looked at the king and said, um... Yeah, they're still in there walking around. But King, um, there's a fourth person in there now who has the likeness of the Son of God. You see, whenever we're in the fire, in the midst, there's a fourth person there. There's another person there. And it's the Son of God. It's the presence of God. The thorn may not be removed from your life. However, God has promised that he will be with you in the trial. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, or chapter 12, um, Paul writes these words. In order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, now listen, 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 this is what he says. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution. I delight... Is that what he's, that's what he said. I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
Now, at this stage of my life, I do not go out hunting for thorns. I'm not looking to run into a, a, a bunch of cactus. Cact, that would be cacti, right? Cactuses. That's not. But I know when those thorns come, whether they be of my own doing sometimes, whether they are a messenger of Satan or God is prodding me in a certain way, I have to understand that when I am weak, that's when I am strong because it's his strength in me. It's Christ in me. So you're going to ask me, so how do we begin to resolve the mystery of, of the thorns? First of all, stop asking yourself, why me? Instead, begin to say, what now? Number one, and this is going to come as a shock to you, especially in the generation and the society that we live in, I believe the first thing to do is to reduce your expectations. <laughs> Learn to live with your thorn. The Bible says, my grace is sufficient for you. Not your own power, not your own super strengths, not, not listening to Tony Robbins and, 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 no, 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 no. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. The word sufficient in the New Testament is written in, in Greek in the present continuous state. That means it is sufficient now and it will be sufficient moving forward. It's not just, so when you have lunch today, you will have lunch and then by about five o'clock you'll be rooting in the pantry, opening up the fridge, you know, there's got to be chocolate cake left here somewhere. What happened to that cherry pie? My wife, for Lent, decided to give up sugar. So that means two of us decided to give up sugar. One, my idea. So I'm, I'm in, last night, she must have said to me three times, what are you looking for? Because I'm in the fridge. I don't know. Like a week ago, there was a cherry pie in there because we had company. And somebody ate the cherry pie. It wasn't her. You see... His grace is sufficient. It's a huge trust moment. We, we, have this, we have this whole idea of Christian entitlement. In fact, I am so disappointed by the pattern and the preaching of Christian entitlement, it makes me sick. Let, let me give you a for instance. That when people say, well, God's kids go first class. Newsflash. You're not to conform to the pattern of this world. Instead, understand that we don't deserve anything. But we're transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we think and we esteem people as greater than us. So that means when someone needs a seat, we offer them ours. Oh, this is... <laughs> I was here first. I was, I, was here. I was here. I hope I get to the back and get that big piece of cake first. No, I'm going to get there last, and if it's all gone, that's fine. I esteem, you have to esteem others as greater than you. Say good things to people. And don't do it in a backhanded kind of way. If you can't say something nice, as my mother would say, don't say nothing at all. And instead, try to think of something nice. 
say good things, sacrifice for others. Here's the, here's, the, here's the hardest one. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to sacrifice for your own children? I would do anything for my kids. There's some people, though, in my mind that I would think, boy, I sure hope I don't have the opportunity to be a blessing to them because that's going to be really hard. Those are exactly the ones that God wants us to. That's what he says, especially to those that you think do not deserve it. Reduce your expectations and give yourself to others. Now, this morning, you can say amen or ouch. It doesn't matter to me. Reduce your expectations, number one. Number two, and, and here's a good one. A good one. Remember, you can endure. Remember, you can endure. Other people have walked through this, and God has promised, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength or my power is made perfect in your weakness. So you can endure. Recognize the difference between storms and thorns, okay? Storms come and go. Storms, we had a storm the other night. Rain, dap, dap, all you know, in the morning, sun came up. Thorns are different. Thorns stick around. Recognize other people has, have endured. Henry Light was born in 17th century England. He was an orphan, never knew his father. He was poor. This is second, 17th century England. There's no welfare, there's no health care, no free prescriptions. Aspirin had not been invented. Henry's, Henry suffered terribly from asthma, bouts of coughing that would last for days and weeks. His voice would become hoarse. He took several jobs to pay his way through college, and he actually graduated from Trinity College in Ireland. He became a pastor. After, shortly after he was married, his infant son passed away, and yet Henry endured. Others have written about Henry's thorns and his miserable predicament. But this is what Henry wrote about his own life. It's actually a famous hymn. Some of you who have, were familiar with the hymn books that we used to sing from will remember this song. A famous hymn that was not only sung throughout England and Europe, but across the Americas. And it's a, it's a, it's a hymn that will endure and has endured for centuries. Here's the words. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. To thy throne thy tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, evermore God's praises sing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the everlasting king. Praise my soul, the king of heaven. Lydia, do you know the chords to that one? It's like a dun, 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 dun. How many know that song? Praise my soul, the king. That's Henry Light. You would think this guy was born in a palace and had people waiting on him the way he sings. Praise my soul, the king. No, other people have endured. Understand, you are not alone. So stop. I'm going to say this to you, lovingly, as your pastor, as your shepherd. Every once in a while, the shepherd has to, you know, the sh most of the time, the shepherd leads and the sheep follow. But once in a while, the shepherd has to kind of take his staff and gently go, boink, boink. Okay? So here's a gentle, boink, boink. You are not alone, so stop isolating yourself. Hmm. Don't isolate yourself. We're going to talk about relationships next week, but I'm just going to give you a, a, little, a little preview. Isolating yourself does not 
do anything to improve a situation. In fact, all it does is compound and catalyze the situation. Do not, we are not meant to be alone. God made us as social beings, so don't be alone. And here's, here's just a hint. If you see somebody that is hurting like crazy, now, whatever you do, don't just go running and charging into their life. Frank, how can I help you? Don't do that. Send Frank a text. Say, hey, buddy, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. And we go for a coffee or a tea or whatever it is, a walk, a bike ride. Do you want to go to the woodworking show? Do you want to go to the wild beast feast? Frank, I'm going to sit with you. And then listen. Shut up and listen. Don't tell them how you resolved all your problems and how you have the answer and they need to read this book and take this special ointment and, oh, now I'm getting... Wendy's going, no, don't, don't even go there, honey. Don't even go there. You know what the greatest thing that a person can have in their life when they're hurting is you. You. is you. When people come alongside you, no matter what has happened, what you've done, the circumstances or whatever, and they just show up for you. Be that guy. Be that woman. Number three, repent of escapism. Face your thorn. Recognize it is there and there's no plan B. Live your life. Live it. This is your life. Live it. Live your life profusely in Christ. I'm just watching the clock here. I want to tell you this story briefly. My mom passed away about a year and a half ago, almost two years. For the last 45 years of her life, she suffered terribly with rheumatoid arthritis. To the point where my mom was a 5 foot 10, vivacious, gorgeous woman. When I was in high school, all the guys in my, in my school wanted to know who the babe was that was driving me to church and to school. That was my mom. That was kind of creepy, too. <laughs> when she got in her late 30s, early 40s, her hands began to cripple. Her neck became sore. Her legs and her ankles began to become de- deformed. When my mom passed away a year and a half ago, she was less than 70 pounds, crippled. The skin, literally because of that disease, it's an autoimmune disease, the skin was just... One of her great-grandchildren brushed by her and literally tore all the skin off of her leg. That's how sensitive. On her deathbed... We gathered around as a family. I'm the oldest of four boys. I watched my mom suffer. This is the lady who, when we were kids, we had a piano in our home, she would sit down and she would sing, Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. 
She would sing, what a friend we have in Jesus, and play the chords and play the songs. And as she got older, that became more difficult. And Wendy and I had a piano in our home. And when my mom came to visit, the grandchildren would be running around. And, and, and suddenly, somewhere in the house, it's not on. You'd start to hear the chords. And you'd hear my mom. And all the grandkids would go, Dad, my kids, Dad, Grammy's playing the piano. Tears would become to my face, and I'd go, yeah. What's she singing? Oh, how I love G. And her crippled hands, I don't know how. You know how hard it is to play a, a, a triad or a chord normally? And she would just be trying her best and playing those songs. So we were gathered around the bed it was the last moments. One by one, we went to my mom, starting with me, the oldest, right down to my youngest brother, Luke, and all of our wives and our kids. And we would go to her and say, Mom, we love you. And she would fight. And it wasn't that she, was, she knew we were there. And Mark, I love you. And finally, my dad went. This was hard to watch. One of the most tender moments of my life is my dad hugged this frail, bruised woman. And he whispered. You see, my mom's Hungarian, and in Hungarian, Margaret is Muncie. And my dad called her Muncie. And he whispered, Muncie, I love you. We stood there in tears and we all backed away from the bed. And she was gasping for breath and she had told all of us we, she had loved us and she began to say, I love you. I love you. And we were looking around like, who, who's left? Who did, who? And, and we were listening and my brother Jamie said to me, who, who's she talking to? And she said, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You see, in the midst of all of this, you can endure. Realize you can embrace the cross. This is a dark and dying world. It will bruise you. But in spite of the bruises, Christ offers you his salvation, his redemption, his presence in your life. The reason you are here today... Is everybody okay? She's okay? He's okay? Okay, sleepy. Oh, that's okay. That's how you know you've preached too long. <laughs> Bam! Okay, we're done. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me wrap up <laughs> in conclusion. Remember this. Jesus came to save us from our sins, not from all our problems. We live in a fallen world. Our goal in life as followers of Christ is integrity, not physical perfection. If physical perfection was the goal, then I would have you all right here now doing 20 push-ups, 100 sit-ups. No, that's not the goal. Here's the promise from Scripture. 
In this world, you will have trouble, but fear not, I have overcome the world. So here we are as servants of Christ. Understand a couple of things. Christ identified with you in, his, in your difficulty when he wore your crown of thorns. Jesus took your pain. He suffered for your sin and my sin. God is not impressed by your gold or your riches. God is not looking to wear your Rolex. He's looking to wear your thorns. Yes, broken, you imperfect, sinful, fearful, but he's calling you today because you are his child and he loves you. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, the rest that you need. Did you know that sometimes your thorn comes so that you can get rest? Do you want me to resolve the headache for you? Why I had headaches? I learned I had no margin in my life. I learned as a pastor I had no Sabbath in my life. I was working seven days a week, not shutting down, and I learned that I had to actually take a day off. Do you know how hard it is for some of you men? Actually, some of you women, probably more so. Did you know that when we rest, our body restores ourself, our emotions, actually our mind, the deeper we sleep, our mind tends to filter out all the bad thoughts. How many have had bad things happen in their life and you can't sleep? But as you begin to sleep, your mind actually filters the negative and f- begins to help you remember the good things. Otherwise, we would just die with all the negative things. And you will if you don't get the proper rest. So sometimes the thorns come for rest. Give Jesus your crown. Lay it at his feet and rest in him. Some of you have given your life goals to Jesus. Some of you will give your life savings. Some have dedicated your family and your home. But have you given him your thorns? Or do you keep the thorns back so you can remind yourself and God how much you're suffering? Give them all to Jesus. Give them your physical thorns, your disabilities, your sickness, your aging. Give them your emotional thorns, your memories, your scars, your wounds. Give them your personal thorns, those thorns that are so deep that you can't even explain them. Explanations will never remove the pain, ever. But the presence of God will. That's why you came into his presence this morning. I'm going to ask the worship team to come at this moment. As they come, I'm just going to, I'm going to close in prayer. And you'll be dismissed. Let me, let me, let me, let me say one thing. This, I woke up this morning. Wendy said, how did you sleep last night? I slept great till 4 o'clock. Then I woke up this morning, and here was my thought. Do not be defined by your thorn. Don't let the thorn define you. Let Christ define you. Let his presence and his power in your life define who you are, what you're going to do, how you're going to live your life. Bow your heads with me and let's pray. So, Father, this morning, Lord, very humbly, we bow in your presence. Lord, we thank you for the truth that in our weakness, you are strong. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you've said to us, come unto me all who labor and are weary, heavy laden, and you will give us rest. Lord, we we rest in you this morning. 
Lord, we, we recognize that through every situation in life, we can trust you. Our trust is in you because your promises are true. Lord, you don't lie. You tell the truth. Lord, be the truth in our life. Be the strength in our life. Be the healing power in our life. And this is our prayer. Lord, we commit ourselves to you today. Lord, in this, in, in this quiet of this moment, we just commit ourselves. Lord, we just whisper to you in our hearts right now, Lord, I commit myself to you. I commit my thorn to you. Lord, I recognize that you are going to use this weakness so that your power can be made perfect in my life. Lord, would you do this for your glory, for your honor. Lord, so that we can be a blessing to others and to this community. And Lord, so that ultimately the name of Jesus would be made famous, not just across this community, but across our land and around this world. Lord, use us each in our own way, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.com.